in our world, in automation and self-service, identification and verification is like is core. It's the holy grail. It's the holy grail. It is. We, you know, we always like to use like a, a funnel. The larger you can make the funnel of people you know, mm -hmm. the more you can offer up a self-service experience. If you're having pro problems, whether it's fraud or just with identification and verification, you're just shrinking your funnel, which if you're a customer, first, if you don't know who I am, yikes, yep. like the bad experience, you know, mm -hmm. back to the whole personalization topic. And so it's, it's, a, it's a bad customer experience and whatever your cost saving measures are, tank as well. Thanks for joining No Hold Time. I'm Brian Bremer with my esteemed friends and colleagues, Eric Robeson and, and David Ariza. We're back again. Um, today's topic is conversational AI and probably more about automation in the real world. Yeah. So we've talked in, the, in other things, uh, but let's talk a little bit about some real world use cases um, and let's pick let's pick a topic, and we'll both, we'll all three kind of go down that path, and and and, and just kind of go from there. So I'm going to start with a probably a softball. David, what is your favorite real world use case or company or activity related to AI automation, customer yeah. experience, all that? Yeah, isn't it funny whenever you see a good example of it because this is what we do, how excited we get about it. Like We're CX nerds. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mentioned this before. I had a, another example in the past. I, was, I won't use that one, but I got really excited because the experience was so great that I told my wife about it. And she's just like, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> so my real life example just happened not long ago is uh, my car dealership. And that's like one of the most inconvenient things, right? You have to mm -hmm. go in, they let you borrow a car, or you have to catch a cab home, or your wife, or someone follows you home. It's just like the most inconvenient thing. So I think that my dealership tries to do as much as possible to automate and know what I need, that kind of stuff, right? So the first one is they sent me a text and said, David, it's been 11 months since your last check-in you're due for for our service. Do you want to set that up? Click the button on my phone that they texted me. I said yes. They found open dates. I clicked my open date, sent, boom. A couple minutes later, I got a confirmation that I was booked. Great. Then the day before, they sent me a reminder, don't forget, or we're looking forward to seeing you tomorrow, which is such a nice way of saying like, hey, don't forget to come in. We're looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Great, great wording. And then I brought it in, dropped it off. I'm at home working with you guys and I get text messages like, hey, this is what we're seeing. Like up to date videos, suggestions. I think I needed new tires this time. They said, hey, you need new tires. This is what we recommend. This is why we recommend them. They took pictures and videos. I was just like, yeah, do it. They fit, they fixed it, sent me a text message. We're good to go. Come on in whenever you're ready. I got, the, it was just like, they knew what I needed, all of the predictive stuff, right? They knew that it was coming up. They reminded me, 
And then there were some curveballs. I needed new tires. Hey, here's your new tires. Here's a picture. This is why you need it. All of the things either I just clicked or said yes or no. There was no thinking involved, and it was just awesome. It took all of the inconveniences of having to take your car in and made it a lot more convenient. So kudos to my, my car dealership. Without the customer hat, put the business hat on, what, what did that do for them? Right, right. Like, they more revenue, yeah. right? Like, they, they sold me some tires. But then also, and we've talked about this in the past with doctor's offices, right? Like if they, if I don't go in, they miss out on that revenue, mm, right? Yeah. So they didn't miss out on the revenue by reminding me that I had to go in. Sure, yeah, you got, yeah. It's probably didn't even double check. Has it been a year? I just said, yeah, sounds good, let's do it. Oh. It could have been like four months and I probably still would have clicked it. So revenue on the service, revenue on the tire, and on top of that, happy customer who's probably gonna be a returning customer mm -hmm. the next time I need a new car. Yep. How about you, Eric? What's well, your favorite? Well, before, uh, before we started uh, today's podcast, uh, we were it was, we were talking about just experiences, and the cheat one is Amazon. You know, Amazon Prime. We were talking about how many things you order, and you never have to to reach out or contact anyone. It's just so easy to click. But again, not really what you know we do, but it's just a really cool experience when you talk about that. You know, the elevated levels of of customer experience. Probably my favorite use case. You know, we all have young kids, and as young kids tend to have happened to them. Uh, little Petri dishes in school and they yeah. come home and all of a sudden at night they don't feel well. So you end up having to go to urgent care and you find out they have, you know, strep. Well, what, that, that evening you've got to get to, you know, get to your uh, local pharmacy. Well, it's not like you're, you're ready to go, right? They're sending the prescription over. So you're in the pharmacy, you're with your sick child, you're getting that prescription filled. And when you have a sick kid, they're just—they're not gonna—they're not gonna have the patience. So what I find really helpful is, you know, you'll give them—you'll uh, put your prescription in. They'll say, "Hey, we'll—we'll we'll send you a text message when your order's ready, yep. and feel free." to go around the store. So you, you know, if you're at a, a Target that has a pharmacy in there, you can take them over to the toy section, entertain them for a while, and then, because it's typically late, once you get that text message, you're able to go right up, get the prescription, and get out the door. So to me, it's just, it's such a great experience. It's so convenient that I don't have to sit there waiting for my name to be called with a sick child. I can go and distract them. Uh, until my prescription's ready. So to me, the best experience possible, and to put on my business hat, when, it, when I think through that, well, one, the pharmacy is getting revenue because they're fulfilling a prescription. And I'm pretty sure if, just in general, when your prescription's ready, they only, there's only a certain time frame that they can keep that on the shelf before mm -hmm. like the drug manufacturer or whatever has to like return it back to stock, which is taking up pharmacy operations time. They're not getting the revenue. Yeah. And then the other thing, I, and I, it took me a while to kind of put another value piece to that, but what was I doing while I was waiting? I was in their store shopping. shopping. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Market I'm basket expansion. Exactly. So I'm maybe picking up a toy for my sick kid to make him happy so they're getting additional revenue yeah. while I'm waiting for that prescription. So to me it's 
super convenient. It's it's real time, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, I don't have to sit there and be on the pharmacist time waiting for my name to be called. I can feel, you know, I could have left and come back yeah. if I wanted to. So I love that experience. I'm gonna piggyback a little bit off of yours. Um, I have exercise induced asthma. Mm -hmm. I take an inhaler. I'm supposed to take it once a day, but I don't have asthma that bad, so I never remember it till yeah. I'm running and puffing and puffing. So I'm not the best at adhering to my medication schedule. Every mm. 30 days, I'm supposed to have a renewal. <clears throat> and but so and so when I sign up for auto refills because my insurance requires me to anymore to make sure the price goes down. I don't need them. And sometimes when I get those text messages, I'm like, oh, I'll get it in a few days when I get down a little bit. And then I'll forget and I'll move on with life. But you're right. I think it's like two weeks that those pharmacies yeah. have to put that stuff back on stock. But they'll remind me constantly until we get to the point where I do need to go pick it up. To me, that's important. And then what happens is if I don't have auto f reminders, sometimes I miss those that window, they'll take me off the auto fulfillment. Oh. They'll send me another text saying, hey, you sh you probably need a refill. We're anticipating it's time to go get a refill. Hmm, refill yeah. it. I, I like some of that stuff. Uh, my uh, my favorite, once again, I'm stealing a bit of the thunder. Is is still Amazon a bit? Yeah. I, I you know I don't buy a lot of stuff. My wife is a very proponent of Amazon. Mm -hmm. They're they're frequently at my doorstep every day. <laughs> but when I do buy something, it's typically something I want. Like yeah. I don't really need it. They take care of that for me. But I do like on the app that I can see where the truck's at. And oh, how many yeah. stops I'm away from them delivering my 24-pack yeah. of golf balls. Like, I don't need that. But it's just, that to me is a fun automation piece mm -hmm. um, that has kind of grown up in the last few years. Uh, and now they're all driving electric vans in my neighborhood. I noticed yeah, too. Anyway, yeah. So, but I think that's neat. I I want to add to to yours because I think that the medical one and, and yours, Bremer, as well, because I've talked about this in the past. I was my, my mom's caretaker towards the end of her life and and that I signed up for those text messages and you know my mom couldn't remember things and so when I received the message hey by the way you're you're gonna need to refill this it was really helpful for me it's like one less thing and maybe I'm starting a trend on these things like I'm I'm a forgetful person on specific <laughs> things like medication but if Everybody you're is, reminding yeah. me of something one on the business side they're selling more and they're not having to restock if they remind me. But I'm also keeping my mom healthy, right? Like mm -hmm. that is health and mental health for me. So I, I, I really like those use cases. Yeah, it, and I should be fair, put my business hat on for Amazon. By showing where all those trucks are, it reduces the calls and the texts and the chats yeah. for where's my absolutely you know, 24 pack of golf balls because my tea time's in you know tomorrow morning or yep. whatever it be. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Let's, let's move on a little bit. Um, Let's think about personal finance or banking, right? So let's talk a little bit about some great use cases for conversational AI in banking. I'm going to start with you, David. I know you've got some great financial customers. Mm -hmm. um, think about if you were to call your bank, what, what, hey, what are they doing and what do you like and what do you expect as a, both a consumer and a partner that would maybe suggest some of this stuff? You know, one of the really, I work with, I work, I work with a bank who does an amazing job in there. Um, I'm really excited to partner with them. That they offer local and national support depending on the need. And so the, the personalization up front is they meet you with, hey, 
how can I help you? And you've, you're, you're calling a local number. If you looked up on a search engine, if you Yahooed the bank, they would give you a local number. Yahoo. Ask Jeeves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you would get a local number and call. And then on the back end, what we do is find out if you're a customer, because we look at your number, and this is all happening in the background, right? How can I help you? We're finding out if they're a customer, if they're, they are a customer, cool. Then I say, whatever the case may be, I need to look at my balance, right? That, that isn't required, that doesn't require local support, right? Like they, that specific branch is not the only branch that has access to my balance, right? So. I can self-serve, but then if I get to a point where I need to talk to someone, then again, it varies on local support, depending on the need or just national support. And so I appreciate that that current partner is taking the time to find out what those customer needs are and if they need to speak to someone locally or someone nationally that can take care of that solution. That's been my favorite attention to detail and that's why they were recently voted like one of the best five banks in the United States. That's that's a good attention to detail and I know that their customers appreciate that. I, I also liked how they named their virtual agent mm. something mm -hmm. kind of unique. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it's just like, hi, I'm an automation. Please you can say words like this and this and this. They were like, hi, I'm XYZ. I'm this person. I'm I'm a I'm a virtual agent, but I have a name. Like yeah. I thought that was a lot of fun for those guys too when they did that. Yeah. How about you? Well, what's interesting in, in banking and finance is think about five plus years ago when everybody wanted to push out a mobile app for their business. Mm -hmm. I mean, no matter what business you were in, there was a mobile app. Yep. We downloaded all these apps, and most of them you you pulled it up once to see what it was, and you never touched it again. Yeah. Or you With, touched the button and it went to the web. Exactly. Yeah. With the exception of mobile banking. I mean, that was a game changer. The being able to go into a mobile app and, and look at your account, do what you need to do, use it all the time. So I think a lot of, of banking organizations had to look at that hard and go, wait a second, so if someone actually is gonna call now about a question, I wanna be able to offer up last five transactions, obviously what my balance is, can I move money from yeah. savings to checking? So it's almost taking the lens of that visual experience and moving it more to a voice channel mm -hmm. where um, you know you, you can't obviously do as much but some of those simple repetitive tasks you would do on the mobile app you've got to make that readily available and that same kind of experience we've talked about before um, of, of whether you call it omni-channel or multi-channel but that experience of what I can do on the mobile app you need to have that same kind of look and or that feel yeah. on a voice channel. You know, it's funny because I do get a chance to talk to a lot of new prospects, and I still hear the story of, well, voice is going to go away. <laughs> we're, 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 the mobile app's great. Yep. We're moving to digital. We, voice is going to be, you know, maybe one third of something we do anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just not. Mm -hmm. We all know that it's not. And it and <laughs> there's a. We, we've spent a lot of time in the last couple of years moving our existing customers to more conversational based flows when in moving from an IVR to a IVA essentially. And one of the customers that I happened to be a part of at the time, I really commend them. They did a, they did a nice job of, of bringing in their customers as a user group 
before we moved it into a virtual agent because there was there's some risk. Let's yeah. not kid ourselves moving away from what you know works really well and has for years to something that's a little more new age technology that, you know, like, like luckily Surrey and Alexa and those guys have kind of trained the, the mm-hmm. population to do some of this stuff, but it's still a risk. So they brought some folks in and uh, they, they, they paid these folks. So they, they said, hey, Mr. Customer, you fit a profile, come in, we'll pay you for your time. And I thought it was, it was really interesting. One of the first people that came in, the guy comes in and he goes, the first question was, how many times do you call your bank a month? And he said 25 times. <laughs> and my first thought was, holy smokes, <laughs> something's really wrong with this guy's account <laughs> yeah. if you're calling 20. That's every other day almost yeah. for a month. But he just wanted to hear his balance. He's on the road. He's a, he's a truck driver. Probably didn't want to mess around with a mobile app. He yeah. just wanted to hear, did he get paid? What was the amount? Was there any fraud he has to worry about? I mean, security is the next thing we'll pick on a little yeah. bit. But to me, that was amazing going, okay, the experience for this person who calls 25 times a month, was refused other channels, has to be different than the person who calls like me. Yeah. I think I call my bank once a year, maybe? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's mobile app and yeah. that's about it anymore, yeah. right? It's just a different thing to think about those power users and how they experience it versus us who 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 don't do it, and even us who work in this business. Yeah, like that's another level of this stuff that we we know the tricks to get through what we need to get through to get done. (laughs) You talk about a use case for predictive intent. It really is. Someone calling in twenty five times should take that gentleman right to his balance within seconds. And to be honest with you, I think we did. (laughs) Yeah, it was all said and done. Um, I don't remember, but anyway, I can anybody that's thinking about doing some of this, I highly highly suggest (laughs) thinking of user groups for the little bit of investment in time and money. Uh, you'll get a lot of bang for the buck, and, I, and they're seeing some positive results from all the stuff that they've done. Um, let's pick on security before we move on past finance, because I think it's such an important thing. David, we were talking the other day uh, outside of this podcast about voice biometrics. Mm-hmm. and or, or let me just take it even a step further back, which is just how do you know as an automated provider that the people on the other line are not bad actors, fraudsters, spammers, and their intentions are good yeah. in, in identification. So talk about what we have what we chatted about. Yeah, no, no, good setup because I wanted to talk about that. Anyways, one of my favorite things that I'm seeing specifically in healthcare and finance is heightened security capabilities with the increased efficiencies of technologies. And so one of my favorite things that we're looking at doing is identifying the call detail before it even gets to the IVR or to an agent, right? And so I can tell you that this call is coming from a normal number in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and they've called before, no big deal. And we're doing, we're adding a layer of authentication before they like really authenticate through the IVR. And so because you can do that much more background work, then you don't have to authenticate as thoroughly in the IVR. And so business hat, the call is now reduced because you authenticated that this is coming from a normal count number and taking the, the proper paths to get to your IVR. Then you authenticate quickly. 
and they can be on their merry way. And so even if you do have to get to an agent, your handle time has now decreased because you did a lot of the work in the background. I do like the, the, voice, the voice biometric stuff too. The bank that I use has it, and so you say a phrase and mm -hmm. it authenticates you, which I always thought was like, wow, we're, we're there, right? Like we're <laughs> at the point where your voice, can I ID and V you? Your voice is your password. Well, I didn't want to <laughs> say that, so it didn't get copied by someone <laughs> and then used. I'm pretty sure that's the phrase a lot of them uh -huh. use too, if I'm not mistaken. Right. right, well, I didn't want to put that out into the world, <laughs> wide, wide web. The thing that I liked, so the reason I brought it up with you was one of your clients, I met them at the show and we were talking about uh, one of the breakout sessions had this specific use case yeah. in there. Voice bio has been around a long time, yep. but enrollment and use of it was really low. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, this specific customer, not ours, but someone else's, uh, this use case was check it with with data first and then offer voice bio in the IVR, which normally you have to go to a rep to do because yeah. they want had heightened security. I thought it was really smart because it's, it's their enrollment like quadrupled, like it's a crazy <laughs> amount. Yeah. And to your point, you've got this new tech now that can look at, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna technologize myself here, but SIP streams and voice quality and this and that and make a grade of red, yellow, green, essentially. And then you as a business owner get to decide what to do with it. Do you right. want to have some fun exactly. with the reds or do you just want to hang up on them? Yeah. Right. Um, are you willing to, to offer the yellows simple things like frequently asked questions in the IVR or do you want to take them to, you know, down a path of extra authentication? Some of that stuff is, yeah. is really, really neat. And, and I don't think bank, banking kind of was the first, credit cards were the first. You're going to see it everywhere, I think, at some point. Yeah, what's interesting, you, you, you hear about this fraud detection or fraud solutions and you initially start thinking about the bad actors and then when you get into it and you figure out, well, wait a second, for my really good actors, my really yeah. good customers, the sky's the limit now on how I can improve the customer experience yeah. because why put them through the ringer when we know it's them, let's just get them through. So I actually, I, I've always liked the positive spin on fraud detection yeah. of let's treat our great customers Great. Great point. Well, that was the question. That was the problem yeah. that that we were trying to solve for. Wasn't like it's always with fraud and uh -huh. security in mind, but is how can I get my customers authenticated as quickly as possible yeah. and on their merry way, right? Yep. And so if we can do some homework before they get to the IVR, we or, or IVA is this authentication piece is now condensed. Sure. Well, you know, one of the things we really, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but in our world, in automation and self-service, identification and verification is like, is core. It's the holy grail. It's the holy grail. It is. We, you know, we always like to use like a, a funnel. The larger you can make the funnel of people you know, mm -hmm. the more you can offer up a self-service experience. If you're having pro problems, whether it's fraud or just with identification and verification, you're just shrinking your funnel, which if you're a customer, first, if you don't know who I am, yikes, yeah. like the bad experience, you know, mm -hmm. back to the whole personalization topic. And so it's, it's, a, it's a bad customer experience and whatever your cost-saving measures are, tank as well. So it, it always starts up front. Yeah. What about we change it to a little bit of something different? Let's talk about some localization. Yeah. Um, 
when you think of using AI or conversational AI and localization, like what what's the first blush thought? How about you? Well, we start with you this time, Eric. Well, over the you know, it's whether it's the type of voice that they hear, uh, you know, the local dialect based on where you're at, the country. Is there a way we can we can speak more to our customers how they speak? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it is you know we. T- in banking, and David, you mentioned this on on your call. You, you're able to call a local number. Sometimes it's as simple as that. As the number you're offering up feels local to them, mm-hmm. even though you may be going through a uh, a global or enterprise application. That no matter where you're calling from in the country, um, over the years, localization. I, I saw that more on the sales side of the business to where somebody calls in, they're an existing customer, they call in, we, un- we know who they are, and there may be a local offer around an upgrade. Yeah. Or it could be, we now are offering this service mm-hmm. in your area. Um, so I, I tended to see that localization on the, the sales side. On the you know the not so great side, obviously, if there's issues with service, if I call in, they're able to say we're having a service disruption yeah. in your area. Yeah. Uh, it's not the, the 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 positive part of it, but hey, at least for me as a customer, okay, I'm not the only one having an issue. Yeah. So, and for our you know for the business, do you really want to take up a, an, a human agent's time to say? Yeah, you're sorry. You, you're having an issue. We expect it to be restored in two hours. So, a couple of ideas. Yeah, and what a, what better way to get your customers more information, right? Like, think of a power company, yeah. right? Like you were just yeah. talking about. Yeah. Your power is out. You're calling in. They tell you, hey, we, you know, we're doing some maintenance, or they let you know in ahead in in advance. There's yep. going to be some maintenance yep. tomorrow morning. You're, you might lose power. So when you lose power, one, you already know as a customer that it's coming, but then they can send you a text message, hey, yep. it's gonna be restored soon. And so you as a, as a user or customer of that power company are always aware of what's going on, but on the business side, they've diffused yeah. so many calls to the contact center and those contact center agents can continue doing their own yeah, stuff. Yeah, and when it comes to restoration of any service, there is definitely an art and a science to it. I just had an experience a little over a week ago with my internet fiber provider where, you know, once in a while you'll have a hiccup. Well, our service was going up and down for three days. And I was going and just seeing, oh yeah, we're, we, we kept updating the time, it would be restored and go out again. But what really, uh, I guess, upset me was I got a text message when all this was going on, letting me know that there was an issue. Uh, This was hours later. And then it restored for a time, but it went down again. Two days later, I get a text message saying, we know you reported an issue three days ago. Was it, and it was resolved, was it fixed for you? And I didn't even know how to respond to that. Well, yeah, it worked for 20 minutes and then it went down for another two days. But to me, the left hand and the right hand were not talking yeah. and automation there felt very clunky uh-huh. when it could have been much more on the ball. Hey, we see you have a continued outage. So you always have to be careful on the accuracy of the information when you're yeah. delivering kind of that localized information, especially around issues. Yeah. yeah. We used to talk 
to pharmacies a lot about the idea of when you walk in the pharmacy, you get a coupon. Oh, Remember yeah. Those days? Yep. And then what happened? Compliance and security. Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> geolocation <laughs> became a thing yeah. that you would you walk by within a certain radius yeah. of a business and it would pop you a coupon. Remember those movies where you walk by and the in the digital ads would look at your eyes and display something that you were talking about <laughs> in the yeah. future site. We're we're in those we're in that yeah. place these days. Yeah. Um, I always thought that was an interesting idea, and, and and I know you guys, David, you're some of your customers and clients are are thinking at localization differently yeah. because it's just a different uh, different vertical. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I work with some healthcare companies and nonprofits, I think specifically have this in mind because what happens is oftentimes budget for services are allocated by the state. And even though we're helping nationally, if I'm in North Carolina, my local state or city is funding whatever support I get. And so whenever I call an 800 number or I am routed based on my telephone number. And so it's important because I'm talking, I, I could potentially be talking to someone who knows what's going on in my local community and is more equipped to help me because they know my surroundings, they know where I am, right? Where if I call someone and they send me to someone in Seattle, Washington, they might not know what's going on in Charlotte, North Carolina, and that there's fires going on or, or something, and that's why I'm coughing up a storm, some you know, mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's been really cool because one, you can get specialized support in that area, but then also on the business side, it's easier to allocate funding if you're getting people help in their local communities. I also think there's a there's a language aspect to this too. Um, you know, yeah. you kind of touched on it mm -hmm. a little bit, Eric. I mean, we, Eric and I have, have seen clients come ask us, hey, can we use a little bit of a southern draw for a certain part of the country? Or um, can we have this ethnicity or this gender because that's where the local feel or may happen? Or even the pace. Pace. Of the recording just yeah. based on the on the a little slang. The They've even added some slang uh -huh. in there too. Uh -huh. And um, most times we say probably shouldn't do that because sometimes you offend some folks with stereotyping and things that yep. come with that matter. But when it comes to language, I think that's an interesting play for localization too because, you know, David, we've talked about this a little before, which is, you know, different regions, different countries have different dialects of the same language. Yep. Um, I think that's an, an interesting play on how to use conversational AI Let's pretend you're calling your local brand. I shouldn't say local. The brand, right? And and it answers you in English. And the first thing you say is is a different language. I'm starting to see real world use cases these days where the where the virtual agent will flip automatically to going to the new language. Experience is still a little bit to be worked out, but um, that's another way that they're starting to move into localized things. Yeah. Uh, because I'm, I'm not bilingual by any stretch of the mean, but you you will. You'll have different ways of saying hello and, and just greeting things that, that, you know, you can add a local feel to, to some of that stuff. Um, 
why don't we wrap on a different kind of question? What might be the worst use case of AI that you've kind of tackled into? That's going to be a tough one. You don't have to put a brand. I don't want to get sued. But what might be the, the Eric, you kind of hit a little bit on it, but what might be the, the one thing you've seen happen that you don't want to see happen again from, from, a, from a, whether it's a call-in, whether it's a walk in a store, whether it's a text message chat, whatever. I'm just going to, I'm going to throw a, a bit of a curveball out there. I'm going to say Eric's eyes. I can, I got one if you need I'm some thinking. time to think. David, yeah, you start I'm thinking. Yeah, I think the absence of AI or, or AI being maybe rushed and not done properly has oh, been my biggest problem where they ask me a question and they, they, they're like, hey, let's, let's conversational AI, let's do it. And my answer is easy. And they think that I've asked a different question and they, they don't confirm it. I think sometimes, it, or like often we recommend this is what I heard, is that correct? Mm -hmm. They don't confirm it, and so... They assume they're right. They assume they're right, and they send me no to another person, and then I have to transfer. So I think a big thing, and we, you know, we recommend, is, is ensuring that you're testing whatever you do, whatever you launch, before all of, you know, all, grab all of your top use cases and launch those. And so my bad experience has been when, when I could tell that it was it was rushed and they said, oh, this is amazing technology, let's use it. And it's just so frustrating because it makes it worse than even not having it, right? Like press one for sales. So like I would rather have that than been misunderstood and yeah. getting it to the wrong place. Yeah. I, I, when you started going into that use case, one just, I mean, just a light bulb moment. So... One of my family members said, "You're you're in that business where you're you're working with AI, right? And kind of robots." I said, "Yeah, and it's actually kind of cool to be able to say that now. Not I'm the you know the IVR phone tree guy. It's yeah. you know we're working in in we're AI. phone systems. Phone systems, yeah. yeah. You work on phones. Um, they said this national fast food chain. It's like I went up to order something out of the drive-through, and I found out it was a robot. I'm like, huh." So one night I'm like, I'm gonna go try this thing out. And I go up and first, it, fortunately, they have the screen so you can see what's being recorded. Yeah. But I can't tell you how frustrating it was. It couldn't understand. I mean, I was trying to talk to it like you would talk to the old school, like IVRs of mm -hmm. one word answers. It completely got my order uh, incorrect. So yeah, I drive up and it's a it's a probably a high school age kid that was working the window and I said, Oh, I go, how long have you had the new technology? And he just looks at me, he's he thinks I'm gonna like gripe about it. I he goes, Well, it's like a week and I go, still working out some bugs? And he just laughed and he said, Yep. But I'm thinking this is a large national, well known uh, fast food chain. International. International. Yeah. And I'm like, you rolled the, did you test this at all? It was, I, I, me, at least I understood what was going on behind the scenes. I can't imagine 
others that went through this yeah. and especially you know an old you know depending my parents, on, uh, my parents <laughs> they if they had that experience they may go you know what it ain't worth my time no I'm not going back anymore yeah. so it was I guess the moral of the story is it's okay to beta test things, yeah. but you know, let people know that that we're testing this out versus just going all in. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I'm, I I agree that I think the the feeling of disconnected is the worst. And you know, when when you ask a room full of people who have had a positive experience with a chatbot, mm-hmm. not many people yeah. raise their hands. And I think that has it's come along a. a come a long way in the, since the beginning, but it can feel really, yeah. really clunky. And I think it's because you can see it. Like sometimes the voice yeah. bots don't, or the voice agents don't have, have some troubles too, but I think it's because you can see the flow of a yeah. chat bot yeah. and go, man, they did not even understand <laughs> that thing up there. Yeah. And they took me to, you know, <laughs> pet supplies when I wanted to talk about my balance. And yeah. so I think some of that just naturally feels bad. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. The disconnected, like if, if, I go get something in the mail or I buy something, I pick it up and I get a text message an hour later saying my order's ready. Like some of that stuff just feels very odd yeah. to me that, you know, that's some of the, the I just kind of cringe at. Yeah. Speaking of disconnect, we've all talked about this, but I think we should double click it, is whenever you get to an agent mm-hmm. and that agent <laughs> has to ask you all of the information that the you've worst. already provided yeah, the, the IVR. Considering CTI has been a technology for 30 years. And do you, so the old the old use case used to be if you heard, you're you're transferring out of an, out of an IVR and you heard the the two beeps, you knew they were using a what's called transfer connect, yep. and the likelihood of your data getting to an agent was slim to ten percent maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, if you live in this business and you hear the doop doop doop. Yep. And you know you're on hold for the next 10 seconds. It's because they're dialing a phone number. Exactly. And the old copper lines along the interstate don't yeah. send data very well. <laughs> and uh, you knew as, a, as a, someone in this business that it yeah. was going to be, you're starting all over again. You know, we've talked a lot in the past few minutes about like sat- satisfaction, like good experiences, bad experiences. Maybe one topic we should talk about at a later time is just CSAT, customer satisfaction in this space. Because it's a very unique way to look at it yeah. versus you go up and ask someone, did you like that virtual agent? Or in the old days, did you like the IVR? It's kind of a loaded question. Yeah. And there's different ways to look at satisfaction in with automation, whether it's effort, frictionless experience, ease. So maybe a topic for another day. Let's use that as the tease as I like to end these things on because I think we could add metrics to some of that conversation yeah. too. We yeah. should talk a little bit about. So I think that's it. Any last words? I'm nope. getting head shakes. Okay. All good. Um, as normal, please subscribe. Please comment. Please rate. Please tell your friends, your parents, anybody. Uh, <laughs> we'd love to have uh, more and more of you to join us every week. So thank you again, and we will see you next time. Thanks for stopping by. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by. We, 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 we should go like Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, come in, change our shoes. Yeah. Put on our, our cardigans. Keep it classy. But mostly thanks for stopping by. Yeah. <laughs>